All right, guys. Uh, welcome back to another episode, I guess, of our fake podcast that we're doing. We have uh, the two brothers, Max and Sam Klotz, and I'm your host. I'm just uh, going to go by Nick for now. Uh, Nick the Knicks fan, unfortunately, uh, because these past few months, I would say, have been a bit of a struggle for us Knicks fans, and uh, we're trying to figure out know what to do next where we're going um what kind of trades we have to do so there's a lot to talk about in this episode let's start with um just an overall sense of how you feel right now at this point in the season and we'll start with sam just how do you feel right now as a Knicks fan what's going through your head i mean uh i'm gonna give a short term and a long term answer i would say in the short term incredibly depressed uh, but in the long term, I feel like there's still at least a semblance of a plan, and I'm not too. I don't think we're in too much worse of a position than we were at the start of this year. But uh, there are definitely a lot of problems, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, uh, Max, yeah. what do you what do you think? That's that's uh, so depressed in the short term, mildly optimistic for the long long term. Is that you too, or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. I imagine at some point we'll get to kind of a more macro look at the team and sort of what the goals for the team should be. Um, it was definitely kind of a weird progression because for most of the last 10 years, it was firmly a rebuilding team. And then last year's success may have kind of tricked us into thinking it was more of a compete now team. Uh, and now I think we're kind of having to readjust to wait, this team is seems like now at best a road play-in team <laughs> so yeah I, <laughs> I guess uh long term I also agree I like a lot of the pieces that are on the team and uh even the bad parts of the team are not kind of set in stone the team still has a fair amount of flexibility and draft picks and stuff so long term I agree it's a fine outlook. This season definitely feels like it's teetering on the verge of um, just simming to the end of the season, basically. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So let's let's go straight for where it hurts, um, and let's talk okay. about the short term, and let's just get it. Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> so uh, we have a guy on our team. <laughs> Unfortunately, we signed to a lot of money in a lot of years. This past summer, uh, and his name is Julius Randall, and I'm not sure what the hell we're going to do with him, but we're probably going to do something at the deadline, maybe. I don't know if we can even trade this guy. Um, let's start with Max. Is there any sort of optimism for trading this uh, kind of, a, I guess he's kind of a dead weight at this point? <laughs> he's been so bad this year. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough to try to find a fit for Randall money aside just with the type of player that he is when you kind of look at the teams around the NBA just a guy who's a high usage four because he's definitely a four on defense he can't play five who for one season displayed an ability to shoot but in general is not much of a stretch four. so he definitely needs a shooting center with him if you want to have a high level offense um, 
and has at times displayed an ability to play defense, but you need a rim-protecting center with him too. There just aren't a lot of teams that kind of fit that mold of having that. Porzingis back is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what we'll solve Julius Randle. Porzingis and Randle is sort of uh, a nightmare version of the fever dream from a few years back of then Porzingis and Zion. (laughs) Uh, But... Yeah, when you look around the league, there just aren't a lot of teams that would make sense to trade for Randall. Um, and then when you throw in the fact that he's going to be making close to $30 million a year, but not quite $30 million a year, that also complicates things. You can hope that a team like Sacramento might try to talk themselves into trading for a former All-Star to try to jumpstart themselves into their own sort of race for the play-in. Um, but yeah, that, Sacramento, I think, uh, might be the one team dumb enough to make that trade. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if they, obviously they should give us De'Aaron Fox because they're over him. They've drafted like 10 point guards. That guy clearly is, is going nowhere. So yeah. they might as well just trade him. <laughs> well, for, uh, for those of us who like to play around on the NBA trade machine, the good news is starting February 2nd, you will be able to plug Julius Randle into it because that's when he is eligible to be traded. To this, <laughs> point, to this point, he has an X over his name where you aren't allowed to try to put him into fake trades because I guess because of when he signed his extension, he can't be traded until February 2nd. But in two days, you can start plugging him in and seeing what salaries work to come back. All right. So uh, that basically sounds like it's unlikely I would say that we're able to trade Randall by the deadline. Um, so Sam, <laughs> yeah. the, the hard question, I guess, what the hell do we do with this guy? Who, I mean, yeah, he's just underperformed all year. It's this, it's the strangest thing because I think in one sense, if you look at his career numbers, you say, Oh, well, this is actually who he is. And last year was this crazy outlier year. But on the other hand, I'm not sure we've ever seen a player shoot so well one year and then regress so horribly the next year. And I don't know if it's, I mean, clearly it's very much mental, but I don't know how this problem started. Mm. Maybe he was trying to accommodate other players within the offense. I I do need to, I need to say something. Uh, On our (laughs) first podcast, I said, I'm not concerned about the Knicks offense. They're not going to have any problems scoring. Oh, it's God. the defense that worries me. And I may never have been more wrong about anything else in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think very simply, you just take a player who shot 40% on threes and highly efficiently on mid-range twos, and that was like the, the bulk of his shot diet, and you take the 40% and you knock it down to 30%. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me on the mid-range twos, but I can tell you it's not good either. It's in the so, low 30s as well. You take the shooting away, and then the guy gets in his head. He's clear. I, see, my thing is, I, I just don't really think at this point there's any evidence that he can handle New York mentally. You know? It just oh, seems like when things... Well, actually, let's, let's, I, I would kind of push it back on that and say, mm-hmm. you know, his first season, he was abysmal. He was basically as bad as he was this season. Um, and he was able to create last season out of nothing. 
um, after being completely cheered out by New York fans, you know, told that he should be traded every single game. Um, there's some evidence to suggest that he can, you know, get his head right, you know, in the city, I think. So to push back on your pushback, I would say <laughs> last year there were no fans in the arena and he was mm. doing all of his media availability on Zoom. He didn't have to really face the music in the same way. And I just think the thumbs down thing, it's like, c- come on, dude, you've been playing like shit. Like you're going to thumbs down the crowd when they're booing you. I, I don't know. I, I just, he I, seems very fragile. I agree that the fans in the arena thing, I think has affected him. And there are a lot of guys, both in the bubble and last year who had kind of career best shooting or sort of unsustainably hot shooting um, and sort of these, um, I guess, like basketball without distractions environments. And maybe he's just one of those guys. I don't know. And by the way, the mid-range stats just looked it up. Uh, he's at 33% from the mid-range. He's still shooting 61% in the restricted area, which I think is a pretty good number. But I think he's slightly up uh, in the restricted area. Yeah. History from last year. 33%. That is so bad. 33% mid range. I guess my thing here with him is I I do think it all just boils down to a shot. Everything else comes from there. And and the fact that he was able to hit off-balance shots, step back. He was taking like tons of step back threes last year. It was kind of crazy. Here's a a Um, stat for you. Uh, So he's shooting 61% from the restricted area. He's taken 217 of those shots this year. He is shooting 31% on above-the-break threes, and he has taken 219 shots of those this year. So he's taken basically the same number of above-the-break threes, slightly more, as he has shots in the restricted area, which for a guy of his size, what should be sort of an interior dominant force, is just not a healthy shot diet and not sustainable for his offense. I don't know, though, because he's never been you know, a super dominant force inside. That's not really, he's good in the break. He's good kind of in the half break too, when he's, you know, he's got some space to work with. He's kind of short. He's not super athletic. He gets blocked a lot when he's like posting up and um, trying to really work inside against bigger players. I don't think he's super effective against taller players, for instance. Um, And I think that really what it came down to last year was his shot. He He was making crazy shots all the time. And that completely opened his game up. This shot diet, I'm sure, is pretty similar to last year's shot diet. Yeah, he's actually shooting a little more in the restricted area this year than he was last year. Yeah, exactly. I think it really just comes down to he's missing it. And I think that's gotten his head, and then he's reverted back to turning the ball over. I actually do think he's made slight improvements as a a passer, just in terms of actual playmaking, even though he does turn the ball over a lot. Um, But really, he he looks pretty, pretty horrible this year. Um, I don't know if we need to keep talking about it. Really, there's well, I owe you an do. answer. I owe you an answer okay. on, on uh, what what do we do about this? Because I okay, yeah. not, now that I've now that I've sort of cleared my throat here for a few minutes, I think I've come to a conclusion. Um, I, I think you're really we're really at a breaking point here, right? And you have to decide among two risky things. One being you know, is this actually a blip and is he going to revert back to like some version of where he was last year or is this only going to get worse? And I think you need to listen, obviously. Obviously, you need to listen on offers. But the real question is, would you just sell him off for literally anything? 
or do you need do you do you listen and say i need to get something for him and if i don't get you know a first round pick a mildly interesting young player like i can't just trade his cap uh, his his contract into cap do you say that or do you, and you say you know if i don't get that offer then we'll go past the trade deadline we'll you know we'll have him on the team we'll see what happens for the rest of the year not hurting our lottery odds that's for sure <laughs> and uh and then figure out what to do in the off season but if you do that and it's a full year of him continuing to implode is his value even lower yeah um i think that's those are the two questions i'm not, not sure which of the two evils i'd rather choose uh, I, I have a feeling uh leon is is probably going to be patient that's just what i feel like i, I don't think he's going to trade him right away after half a season of being bad I agree. They just signed him to a long-term deal. They probably believe in him to some extent to, to revert. I'm sure Tibbs definitely believes in him, like, too much. <laughs> like, way too much. So I, I really don't think, you know, and Tibbs has some say in that in that boardroom. So I, I don't think they're going to trade him this season. That's, yeah. That's my feeling. And I also think if the long-term goal of this franchise is basically to try to draft smart, remain competitive, and just remain try to build yourself into a, a franchise that just values competitiveness and in that way, along with being in the premier market in the NBA, try to attract star talent. It sends a better message, I think, if they... It would send a bad message to just trade him literally for nothing. Where, for nothing, yeah. Yeah, where it seems like... I don't think like, they're going to do that. They invested yeah. too much money, yeah. Yeah, and I think it would... It would if they stand by the player somewhat and try to give him a, a chance to dig himself out as possible, other stars around the league will kind of take notice of that. Or at least not discount the Knicks in the way that they would if they, as soon as things started to go bad with Randall, they just immediately shipped him out. Yeah, actually, I think people would probably think, oh, it's just classic Knicks reacting to half a season of bad play. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. I think... Yeah, okay, fine. Let's, let's, let's get on. I, I feel like uh, it's too depressing at this point. Um, but let's, let's get into some things that might be a little bit... Um, actually, no, let's stick with the trade deadline. So outside of Randall, who else do you think... you know? has the potential to get dealt um who would you be looking for what would you be looking for um in terms of do you think we should go more in the direction of youth and extending that kind of future or 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 supporting that future projection for the next um or just trying to maybe make a push for the playoffs um sam what do you think i think if they make a win now push for the playoffs trade like if they trade for eric gordon or something i will just completely lose my confidence in them because I think it's so clear that we don't have the right mix and it's so clear that the East is much better this year. And uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't think they will do that. You know, they just traded a first-round pick for Cam Reddish. I have a lot of thoughts on this, which we can get into later. Uh, but, you know, mainly why is he not playing? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they would have saved that first-round pick to trade for one of these veterans if they were going to do that, I think. So um, I think you got to clear up some space uh, in the rotation. I think it's a cert- I think it's a near certainty that Burks will be dealt or a- one of the wings will be dealt between Burks and, and Fournier. Um, and I think Grimes, Grimes coming through and-, and-, and actually showing that he can play meaningful minutes in the rotation 
makes those guys expendable. And you'd rather have your first round pick who you have locked in on a cheap deal for the next four years playing and developing than you would the 30-year-old, 31-year-old vets. Yeah, and I think for a team that is like four games sub 500, we do have somewhat of an unusual problem of having too many solid players. Now, well, the problem is that the ones who start aren't very good, but there's a lot of solid players <laughs> coming off the bench, uh, not to mention McBride, who's probably, I mean, in any situation at best, going to be like the 11th man, depending on what they do at the deadline. But really, to free up minutes for Reddish, who at this point is now kind of the 11th man when everyone's healthy, they, or maybe even the 12th man, they have to trade probably two of Kemba, Fournier, and Burks. Um, obviously it would be most palatable, I think, or not most palatable, but it would be really nice if they could trade Fournier without having to attach something to him. But the fact that you might have to attach something to him, to me, makes me feel like that's a less likely deal to be made. Um, I do think you can get something for Burks. Like I bet you could get a late first round pick from a contender for Burks because people can use six, six, or I don't know if he's six six, but you know six four, six five ball handlers who can defend defend solidly. They can switch. He can hit threes at forty percent. Like I think any one of Denver, Utah, with the Ingles injury, um, Philly, any team. I think can, anyone could use him. He, yeah, and I could see him going to a team and being like a key component in a playoff series. And you know, just if he gets if he gets hot. It's not like the pressure gets to him. He hits big shots all the time. Yeah, team solid. Yeah, it's really more of like he's a he's a little bit inconsistent with his shooting. He's streaky. Like, yeah, he's streaky. But in terms, of, but even that, even with his shooting, if it's not going in, he's still a very solid basketball player. He plays good defense. He moves the ball. He, you can handle it a little bit. I I think he's a great. I actually really like him. I in some ways don't want to give him up just because I think he's such a calming force on the offense. Um, and maybe we can slot him in as a as a bench player at some point. I would almost try to find a role for him, but I totally understand the need to get Grimes and, and obviously I'm I'm very high on Reddish, but probably higher than you guys are. But uh I, I you know, Burks will always have a special place in my heart. I, I just think he's been a great Nick. Yeah, me too. And I It's I, not I, the player, I would say, you know. I, I think it's not the player, it's the process and the and the place that we are as a team. Yeah. And we're I, not ready for Burks. We're not worthy of Burks. <laughs> be free, Alec. <laughs> yeah, be free. I, wanted, I, I just, I can't wait. Honestly, he's going to succeed so well on a, on a contender. And this organization's displayed a good ability to pick in the late first round. So I think that's a real asset to try to pick up um, if we can get it. And there's a lot of, I mean, Bert, he makes a very movable salary. Who knows? Maybe the Lakers want to do a three-team trade or something where they get Burks. I'm not that interested in getting Taylor Horton Tucker, especially with the amount of young prospects we already have. But there's you can construct a three-team trade where we get a pick, someone else gets THT, and Lakers get Burks. And then, yeah, basically every contender in the top six of the West and East could use him, um, especially with the injuries. And I don't think it's going to be a particularly... There's not a ton of players who are going to be flying around at the deadline. It's not like he'll be buried by a lot of more desirable names. So... I think him and I think Kemba will be movable too because his salary's not bad at around eight million and I think it's it can be less. Uh and there's a lot of teams out there who could use a little scoring punch at the guard position. So I don't think we can get a first for Kemba, definitely not, but maybe we can get a good second and 
just free some yeah, spots up. Chump change for him. I mean, guys, my my suspicion is that he's gonna get bought out. To be honest with you, yeah, he's just. I don't think we're gonna get any value for him. We have we have too many second rounders. I don't think we need any more second rounders. <laughs> <laughs> we have like fifty second rounders. Trade exception. Um, anyway, okay, so the trade deadline is kind of tough to talk about, I think, because, you know, we just don't know. There's too much uncertainty. We, I think we identified two players, Kemba and Burks, that could probably be moved. If we can somehow land a pick for Fournier, that would be incredible, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I also think, once again, I think the brass kind of likes him, and they signed him to a long deal, um, the longest one this summer, and I do think that they want to see what he has. Um and I also kind of believe in him a little bit more, once again, than I think you guys do. I think he, he definitely has the ability to turn it around. I, I think if, you, if you're talking about anomalies, his shooting inconsistencies, I mean, I know he's been a little streaky in his career, but generally he finishes with pretty good percentages across the board. And even yeah. this year, his stats aren't that bad. He's had some very like games. He's at his career numbers. He's, yeah. not, he's not that bad. He's, he's, he's rough on defense. He probably shouldn't be starting. Um, but I don't think... A lot of the woes, I mean, he went through a really rough patch, but a, a lot of the woes are attributable to other players, I think. Okay. So, can I, can I give you my, my okay, opinion on Fournier? Yeah. How I feel about Fournier is that at the beginning of the year, like, when you're in the playoff race and you're trying to win games, you think you might be playing in the playoffs, I can't stand him. But if we're just kind of toiling around the 10 spot or, like, right. you know, in the lottery, he shoots, he doesn't defend anyone, but he spaces the floor... He doesn't. He's not actively detrimental to the development of our young players. So oh, yeah, I'm fine keeping him on the team this year at least. Well, and then after that, you know, you got a two-year contract. Like, if we don't move him, I don't think it's the end of the world. But we do need to clear up some space. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's um, let's get into something that's a little bit nicer to talk about. I think um, let's just go right into RJ's development um, and what you guys have seen in terms of the little things he's doing better, um, you know, what kind of reads. I think he's been making a lot better reads recently. Uh, Max, what have you seen? Yeah, I think uh, he's displayed sort of potential to be a, a lead, not the engine of an offense, but like a lead ball handler in an offense, which is really encouraging. Um, and, I mean, his shooting... Seem I hope this isn't a thing for his whole career, but his shooting seems like it comes and goes in sort of really hot and really cold streaks. Um, and right now he's on a hot streak from three. Uh, so hopefully he'll, he can iron that out a little bit, but maybe there's some things with his mechanics where it's just going to come and go. Um, it feels from the eye test like he's getting a lot better in the mid-range, which is going to be really key for him. I will say the numbers don't totally back that up because his mid-range shooting percentage is pretty bad. Uh, I don't... What, what is it? What is it? Uh, I'll have to look it up. But uh, oh it's, uh, it's 32%. It's, it's 32%. Okay, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, the paint non-restricted area is actually a, a dazzlingly low number at 29%. Um, that's like floater range, basically. Um, but it, 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 it does seem like he's getting more comfortable there. And I think that's going to be really huge for determining what he turns into is if he can at least make a living or not make a living, but make do in that range. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been really encouraging to kind of 
see him take on more of a kind of leadership and focal point role on offense. Still a solid defender um, and still, I think, the youngest guy on the team. So him or Reddish, I would guess. So it's, yeah, it's been encouraging and it's been a bright spot and he's really been on kind of a hot streak over the past couple of weeks. And I'm curious to see if he can take on even a little bit more of a playmaking burden because I think passing long-term has a chance to be one of his better skills. Okay, that was a really measured take and I really appreciate that, but that's not at all what I was looking for. I wanted something way more hyped, way more excited. Like, <laughs> this is our fucking franchise guy. You should you should go to Sam then. I want to hear like our you know, shooting splits, you know. Let's not talk about his free throws, which are absolutely abysmal. <laughs> but Sam, let's get let's get the let's get the hype take from you. Come on, let's go. I, mean, I think it's a good question. Like, what do we have here? I think on the one hand, I, I think he's got an insane work ethic and there are moments where he looks incredible. Um, he's, he's really good at driving to the rim. He's got, I mean, he's gotten a lot better at driving to the rim. Um, and some of those takes are looking really good. Um, and I think he's a young player who's developing. So, you know, what do I think the high end outcome is? I've always liked Gordon Hayward as a comparison for him. Mm. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward's probably always going to be a better shooter than RJ will ever be and is a little bigger, but uh, RJ's pound for pound stronger and has more of that drive game. So, you know, I, I think there's definitely a ceiling there of like borderline all-star player, um, you know, sort of that like cog in the offense who doesn't run the whole thing, but can handle some playmaking duties, can be, you know, maybe not the number one option, but a number, a good number two, good number three option type of guy. Um, and he's super young, you know, 21 years old, um, only in his third year in the league. So I think that's a real possible outcome. Um, you know, I, I think there's also a possibility that he's just more of your like starter, good player type type of guy. But, you know, we owe it, the, the team owes it to him and themselves in their future to figure out what that is, um, what that ceiling is. And, and I think that needs to be really the, the primary goal for the rest of this year. All right, both of you guys gave the most boring takes I've ever heard in my life. Uh, <laughs> I'm very, What's your years? He's Maple Mamba, Barrett's Nick. He's going to be an absolute beast. And I don't think that there's really that much question about it. I think probably maybe a number two, I think he has potential to be like 1A, 1B. The dude is 21 years old. I think his... I actually think he came in pretty raw. I mean, his shot was kind of broken. Um, his finishing was kind of broken. I don't think he was as athletic as we thought he was. I think his skills need a lot of work. He was didn't have a great handle. Um, he didn't have amazing footwork. He was basically just bigger than everyone else in, in the lower tiers. And that, now he's in the, he, once he got to the NBA, it was immediately apparent that that wasn't like he couldn't just bully people the entire time. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing. Drives to the rim. I'm seeing him cross over between his legs multiple times in a in a given possession. He's starting to get the rhythm of where people are coming from and where to pass the ball. I think his passing's been really good. I'm not. I don't think we're hitting the shots that he's you know creating a lot of the time. But I actually think his passing is uh, you know developed a lot, and particularly with yeah. that lob to Mitch, I think he's he's starting to read it really well and read when he can actually throw it. Um, I don't know. I just think he has a lot of potential. I think his, I actually think his shooting is going to you know, pan out to some extent just because of how hard he works. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's just he, 
on occasion, he's just looked unstoppable going to the rim. And I think that that was something that I was desperate to see from him. I, I, I hadn't seen it for, I think I was really, really depressed on him in the first kind of half of the year. But as you guys mentioned to me at some points, like he's been, he's been sick. He's not really gotten his legs under him. Um, and he just never really got into a rhythm. And all of a sudden, I, I just love that we're getting, giving him more opportunities. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. And the kid is 21 years old. It's kind of hard to, to realize that he's 21 years old because he doesn't look it. He looks like a vet. He looks like he's, you know, built already for the NBA. Um, so it's kind of tough to kind of... And his game is kind of veteran-like. It's not like, you know, some sort of young spry chicken who's, like, jumping out of the gym. It's like, you know, he's pounding the ball. He's kind of, like, you know, slowly backing someone down and kind of slowly getting into the paint. But... I just I, see, I think he has a lot of potential just as an overall, you know, all around player, and uh, I think he can be an excellent defender too. But yeah, I, I'm very high on him for sure. You're making some excellent points, and I think it's easy to forget that his rookie year, he was not that athletic, uh, couldn't shoot, uh, couldn't finish at the basket, and basically couldn't do anything. Like he yeah. he didn't have any besides his pedigree. He had no bankable NBA skills where you nope. thought. And that's why everybody has been, that's why, not everybody, but that's why all of these draft analyst guys have been very low, not all of them, but you know what I'm saying, have been low yeah. on RJ Barrett. Where they're saying he, he is a guy who seems to be good at a lot of things, but he has no, like, hang your hat on skills. What is this guy elite at? And the, the amount that he's improved over the past two years in terms of three-point shooting and drive game and handle, like you're saying, and passing... It, it definitely speaks to a ceiling there that, that I think, and I, and I think his bankable skill is, is work of it and, and want to, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, he'll, he'll get every single ounce of potential out of himself that's there. So I guess it just remains to be seen what, what that ends up looking like. Yeah, and I think with his inside game, I've definitely noticed over the last month or two, it feels like his craftiness around the basket has gotten a lot better. Um, like... In that Milwaukee game, uh, he had some nice finishes around the basket. There was another game, I can't remember, where he had a lot of offhand finishes around the basket and sort of like quickly sneaking it up onto the glass, um, which as someone who he's not like a particularly... He's an explosive athlete when he has time to kind of load up, but he's not like a quick jumper. So being able to get those crafty shots off and sort of off-balance to avoid shot blockers is going to be huge for him with his drive game. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with everything. Yeah, I've, so. I've seen him using his right hand more. I've seen him using his right hand to drive, which I, I don't think we saw at all. I mean, we, I think we've seen it a little bit over the past two years, but I mean, it's basically been non-existent for it to drive right and then finish right or do. He's also getting a little Euro step down. I think he just has a lot of things that he can do. And I think he's figuring out that he can do all these things, and he's making the dis- the correct decisions more than more than he, than he used to. Because I think before he kind of had some weird tools that he wasn't sure what to do with, and he would like get into a situation where you know he'd try and do a little pump fake, and then he was like, "I have no counter to this." Or, I don't know. Now he's starting yeah. to develop his counters and, and use them in games, which I think is really promising. Yeah, and I have to say, it's been somewhat like despite all of the julius problems it's been somewhat encouraging that he has allowed rj to take a step forward he julius hasn't hasn't you know sort of clutched onto the the ball in 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 the level that he might have 
I actually think Julius has been a very willing passer this year. I mean, I think from you know we could say everything about the turnovers and the horrible shooting, but I mean, just in terms of actual passing, moving the ball, and seeming to be a decent teammate, um, besides yelling at Fournier one time, uh, I think I think he's been okay. I mean, his body language suffers sometimes, but. Anyway, I, I don't know why we're back. Hey, really. you, um, you don't score four points in 30 minutes without passing it a lot. Poor <laughs> <laughs> guy, man. I, I feel kind of bad for him. Um, anyway, uh, moving on. Let's talk about another kind of rosy outlook kind of guy. We all love him, obviously. Let's talk about Grimes. Let's talk about Quentin Grimes, who we had no idea who this guy was when we picked him. We were very confused. <laughs> And then this guy's turned into... I mean, he has more facets to his game than I think I realized. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, feels like every time I look at a box score for one of our games recently, he's like 4 of 6 from 3, 3 of 7, 3 of 5. Like, he's just a sniper. He gets so much elevation on his jumper. It looks incredible. Like, it's one of the better-looking shots in the league, it feels like. Um, And... We're talking about bankable skills. He has two very bankable skills of perimeter defense on guys around his size and uh, catch-and-shoot, three-point shooting. Um, And he's starting to put it on the floor a little bit more. I'm kind of curious to see if he can develop anything there. But even if he's just an elite – or, okay, I shouldn't say just an elite. But even if he's an elite three-point shooter and a defender, that's a – Great starting NBA player. Yeah, that's like, that's Danny Green. That's someone of that level. I mean, that's someone who can start on really good teams. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I continue to be impressed by Grimes. He already seems like he might be the best defender for one through three on our team. Um, And he's the best shooter on our team already. And I'm excited, hopefully, for post-trade deadline when maybe he'll be starting or certainly playing a lot. Tibbs is already trusting him to play in really high-leverage situations for us, so... Tibbs loves him. Yeah. He's a grinder. All right, Sam, let's go. Let's go. I know you love Grimes. I love Grimes. Well, every, Max just said everything that, that uh, I would have said about Grimes, but yeah, that stroke is just so pure. He's shooting 40% from three, which is oh great. Oh, my God. On, on four threes a game, and he's only playing 15 minutes a game, so he's getting them up... <laughs> And he's shooting him. He's and he's making him. I mean, um, yeah, the defense looks good. Um, I don't, you know, maybe there's some some sort of ability to handle the ball a little bit and and shoot off the dribble just because he has that background as a as an on ball player in high school. Um, but I don't think that's even necessary. Um, you know, if you get if you get a sniper who plays good defense and at the back half of the draft, paying this guy like what is his contract right now? Let me just. He's making uh, two million this year, yeah, basically two million a year for the next four years. Uh, there's Not nothing bad to say about that. Yeah, hop in. He takes nine threes per thirty-six minutes, also, so that he <laughs> he shoots with volume, not just. He's love, love those Tommy yeah. Beer stats. Yeah, yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Tommy Beer th- per thirty-six. Let's get it. Uh, Twenty threes a game per fifteen minutes. Uh, so. I do have to say with him, I, I think actually what I've seen, at least from, if you want to talk about, you know, the shooting's obviously there, but I think he has a bit of potential as a driver as well. 
at least off closeouts. Um, I, I don't think it's he's going to break anyone down off the dribble and just like become an elite ISO threat. But I think he can absolutely attack a closeout, and he's shown way better athleticism than I thought he had. I did not. Some of his finishes he's had recently has been like some acrobatic stuff, um, and that stuff I, I, I was just not expecting. I didn't think he, you know, could do it. He didn't do it really at the college level. He's actually a pretty poor finisher at the college level, if I remember correctly. Um, but I think in transition and off a closeout, the guy can totally be a good finisher. And you know, I think he's yeah, he's just going to be a useful player. I've also noticed that. He has better passing instincts than I think we give him credit for. Sometimes he'll do little, he's really good at ball fakes. Like he'll do these little fakes that'll kind of get the defender off um, off a guy or, or hedging a certain way. I think he's just a really smart basketball player. And I think we got a good one. I, I honestly think he's going to be on the Knicks for a really long time. And I'm, I'm almost happier for that, that we got him than any other that we have. I mean, maybe outside of like RJ, I think I kind of like him more than quickly right now, but that's probably because quickly has been struggling shooting wise. Um, and uh, let's talk about quickly. Um, <laughs> quickly is my guy. He's an enigma right now, but let's, let's hear it, man. Go for it, Sam. I think, well, it has to be said that he's not shooting the ball well this year. Uh, but like at all. No, but there's enough, there's enough prior evidence there to make us still think that he's a good shooter um i think it's been pointed out that his first step looks really good this year he's he's getting by people um now the the counterpoint to that is he has absolutely no ability to finish at the rim whatsoever i'm not sure i've ever seen him make a layup in a game um he's been hurt a little bit by the by the foul changes i think um he's not Getting the he's not getting to the line with anywhere near the same frequency that he did last year. Um, maybe one of you guys can pull the stat up on that while while I discuss this. But uh, you know, it is quickly going to be our starting point guard of the future. Probably not. Uh, is he a starting player at all just because of his role as a short sort of two guard type of guy? Probably not. But that said, he's a great defender, a great shooter. And he just injects energy into the game whenever he comes in. So he's definitely a useful player. Um, and honestly, I, I wouldn't mind seeing what he looks like on the ball uh, if we get rid of Kemba. Um, it's another one of these things where you might as well just see what you have there. Like if we're not going to win, if you're not going to the playoffs, if we're not going to be winning this year, we should we should figure out what's going on with our youth. Like what is, what are we what are the ceilings here? Yeah, um, on his free throws, uh, they've basically been cut in half this year. I mean, he he wasn't at a high volume uh, per 36. It went from five to a little under three. Um, raw stats, that's about two and a half to 1.7, um, 2.7 to 1.8. But yeah, definitely some of his foul hunting um, hasn't been quite as effective this year. Um it's weird because we're sort of, I mean, I, it's borne out over and over again that the best way to predict shooting is to look at free throw shooting. And this guy's the best free throw shooter in the NBA. So you have a feeling that eventually that three-point stroke is going to catch up because um, there just aren't that many people in the history of the NBA who shoot 91% on free throws. And all of them are probably incredible three-point shooters, or at least incredible shooters from somewhere on the court. 
Um, so I still have faith that the shot's going to come around at some point. Maybe he'll, he definitely has to play around with shot selection a little bit, I think. Um, in that very frustrating Cavs game, he took a pretty ill-advised three down the stretch when um, we could have gotten a much better shot. But, yeah. Can I make a point there? He's doing this thing where he will get the ball on a swing or a spray, and he'll pump fake and then dribble and then either pass out of it or take a step back three. He's got to just get those up. He very rarely takes catch-and-shoot threes, I feel like. But when he does, they look good. Yeah, I mean, he's a pure I don't shooter. I think there's any question that he's a good three-point shooter. He was a good three-point shooter last year. He's just having a bad year. That's my analysis of it. And the shot selection has to improve, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt, at least for one half of a season, where it's been a weird season, too. Um, yeah. And uh, from look, the, the main thing I've seen in, in a positive light from him is the passing. I mean, the passing and the handle, too. I think he's just, overall, as a point guard, he, he's more feasible in that spot. I, don't, I didn't think he was really going to get there as a passer, but, you know, when he when he plays, he's been setting up teammates. He, he actually is good at finding, you know, the pass, you know, before or leading his teammates. It's like, it's, it's a pass that, you know, I feel like someone like Westbrook gets assists from, like, the swing pass and then the guy shoots, you know, at the end of the clock or something. Um, but quickly has a has a bit of an ability to like foresee the play and and kind of hit his teammates in stride. I think that's pretty a pretty high level skill and something that he can definitely work on. And if he can become a point guard with his potential shooting ability, um, I think his ceiling is relatively high. I think his defense has been better this year too. He's definitely a lot stronger than he was last year. He was basically a, a huge negative on defense. He was just getting cooked. Constantly, um, and I think he's been a lot better overall. Just as an all-around player, I think his shot has been pretty rough to watch. Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned about it, mostly because of how low his release point is. I think part of why he pump fakes on those close on you know even if he's open for a swing pass, if someone's closing out to him. If he, if he thinks, I feel like he thinks it's going to be blocked. So I think he's pump faking and then getting that step back three, which I don't actually mind as a shot for him, but he's just not hitting it at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, he's just going to have to hit that with consistency. Yeah, the difference between gonna, him and a guy like Grimes is he quick needs a lot more space to get his shot off than yeah. Grimes does. Just on your point about his playmaking, though, so what's really frustrating me about this team, and I will give them until the trade, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt until the trade deadline. But we need to see these things. We need to we need to put the ball in his hands. We can't be we can't be having games, especially with Rose out, where quickly is playing ten minutes a game and is not given the ball uh, and given a chance to create. You know that there's there's no reason not to for the second half of the year. So you know I, I am really hoping that they clear Kemba out. I would not mind seeing him in the starting role just to see what's going on there, but. You know, at the very least, have him come off the bench and handle the ball a little bit. I actually think getting rid of Kemba might be mandatory at this point. Um, yeah. I think even if, regardless of what direction we're going as a team, <laughs> I don't think Kemba's going to help us, and I think he hinders too many of our other players. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear that he's not capable of, of playing consistent basketball anymore, yeah. which is, it's not his fault. He just doesn't have 
he there there are some nights where he has burst and he looks good, but the rest of the nights he just dribbles the ball off the court, passes it, and he clearly is not healthy enough to do anything. And can't play defense even yeah, regardless. Regardless yeah. of <laughs> Yeah, and I think Quick and, to a massive extent, Toppin, who I imagine we might talk about a little bit, both of them, I think, really miss Rose. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's a... The bench in general, like, the bench has been a lot better than the starters this year, but that effect was a lot larger when Rose was there. Um, and I think since Rose has been out, the bench is still kind of outscoring other benches, but not to the same degree. And so I think they're having some trouble um, kind of covering up the starters' woes in, in the way that they did earlier in the season. Um, so hopefully when Rose okay. comes back in, like a, in, a little, in a few weeks, that, that'll open things up a little bit more for Quick and Toppin as well, who's really struggled without Rose. Well, I think um, actually if we're talking about what happened to our team this year, I think the... Rose injury was obvious. We, we should have foreseen that as being, you know, very detrimental to us. I mean, our, our are, best player got hurt. We relied on him so we relied on him so heavily last year to win games, and he he literally just saved us. He would just completely take us out of. You know, I, I remember multiple like, you know, double digit comebacks led solely by him just being crazy at basketball. I mean, he just I don't know. I, I think that he really is our best player. For you know, let's say fifty to sixty percent of our games, he's he's our, he's our best player, and so losing him, and also I don't think he's been playing. He, he's played as well, even when he has played this year. But um, I think losing him was essentially what took us, you know, from an above five hundred team to a below five hundred team at this point. Yeah, yeah, right. You don't think that losing a bench guard is going to derail your season, but. It just turns out that he actually just likes to play on the bench. <laughs> the entire heart and soul of the team. He's literally yeah. our entire team. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to Toppin, because I have some thoughts on this, but I'll let you guys go first. Max, you said you, you, you seem down on him a little bit. Um, so that, that, that sounded like what you were talking about before. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, he's, had, he's definitely still had moments. I mean, early in the season... I really loved what I was seeing from him. And I do think that he's going to be a really solid player. He's, he's an NBA player for sure. Like last year, there were definitely some questions of whether he was going to be a real NBA player. And I think this year he's shown between sort of his ability to run the floor. He's a better defender, I think, than we projected um, coming out of college. And the athleticism definitely translates in just his scoring in the paint, both on dunks, but also like when he gets... Um, Posts up on when he posts up on switches against smaller guys, he can convert those sort of little bank shots and hook shots at a decent rate. Um, but he really, I think, has missed Rose from Rose. I think of anyone on the team always looks for him, and when off of misses or even off of makes, he's always looking off the court to see um, if Toppin's got an advantage. And other teammates do it. Quick does it, but Quick sometimes isn't that accurate with his outlet passes. You'll see him sort of throw him out of bounds sometimes. Um, and often guys just won't look for him in the same way. And he's someone who really relies on an effective creator to get him going on offense. He's not going to create his own offense. Um, so, I mean, 
I love it when he checks in the game. I still love the way that we play when he's in the game and sort of his pace and um, the energy that he brings. And I still am definitely much higher on him now than I was at this point last year. And I think he's a real player. Um, but I really just want to see again what he looks like when Rose comes back because I don't feel like he's been quite the same player since he went out. Sam, what about you? Yeah, nothing, nothing to add really. I think that's good analysis. Um, you'd like to see him be able to create a little more with uh, without being you know set up because um, basically every basket he scores is an assist, uh, but he absolutely is a rotation player in the NBA. Um, he's in a really tough spot here uh, with with Julius in front of him in the rotation. So in that sense, it'd be nice to see what it, what the team looks like for an extended stretch with him in the starting lineup uh, or at least playing 20, 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, but I sound like a broken record here just saying. We're all hoping for more minutes for him. I feel like when he has him, when he when he gets minutes, he plays really well. He's pretty productive. Yeah. Um, for me, it's the the jump the jump shot. I I think uh, over the past few games, actually starting to hit a few, which is it's kind of exciting. Yeah. The form once I think the form looks look great. Good. It looks so yeah. good. It's always that can go in. He's it's not. Yeah, good. last year he was doing this weird thing with his legs where he sort of jackknifed them a little bit, and he would sort of mm-hmm. fling the ball a little bit more. It feels like he's cleaned that up a little bit. So yeah, a few more of those two for four games from three would go a long way. Yeah, I think that'd be huge for him. And I actually think he has a better handle than he's allowed to show. Um, I think he has some skills that are like dormant right now, um, and a lot of it has to do with where our team's at who he's playing with, I agree, he's reliant on creators right now. And, you know, at some point, you kind of lose confidence in those abilities when every time you try it in a game, you get pulled, like, immediately, um, you know, if you, if you don't do it perfectly the first time. But I think he's uh, got some skills that are just kind of lying dormant there. I'm yeah. see him in the, in the coming years. I, I, I don't think, I, I mean, if there's a star trade, I think he'll be involved in it. Um, but I think outside of that, um, he's in it for the long haul here. Yeah, and then he's also often sharing the floor with another role man, like Mitch or, or Nerlens. Um, I really like the way yeah, he looks with Taj, because, um, I mean, relative to the other two, because Taj is, has sort of some ball skills and can pass a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, like, I remember there was one game earlier in the year where they just kept hitting Taj on the short roll, and then Obi got felt like three or four baskets just cutting along the baseline and either getting lobs from Taj or just that would open things up. I mean, New Orleans isn't going to... It might have been, yeah. New Orleans isn't going to hit that pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New Orleans isn't hitting that pass. Taj is not hitting... Uh, sorry, Mitch is not hitting that pass. So uh, he's also... I mean, what he does best is screen and roll, and he's often sharing the floor with another roll man. So I do think he's displayed an admirable ability to kind of adapt himself into a role that um, doesn't totally fit his skill set in the half court. And yeah, no, I've liked what I've seen. All right, Sam, Cam Reddish, go. Okay, my, my, <laughs> my thing with Cam Reddish is an asset management question. If you're going to trade a first-round pick for a guy who oozes potential but has not shown anything that would make you comfortable giving him a long-term contract and you're going to have to make a decision on said on said contract extension at least in less than half a season 
And then a year after that, you're actually going to, he's going to hit restricted free agency and you're actually going to figure out what's going on here. I just think a year and a half goes by quickly. And we've already spent 10, 12, I'm not sure the exact number of games. We've spent a long time here with him getting 15 minutes total since the entire time he's been in New York. So if they do not make a spot in the rotation for Cam Reddish next week at the trade deadline, I am going to go absolutely nuts. Um, and you just have to figure out what Cam Reddish is. Uh, do I necessarily think he is going to be a good basketball player? No, but I think <laughs> I think he is a tantalizing you basketball player. You like him? I mean, he's what I would like in a basketball player. He's long and athletic, um, but his numbers are just so bad. He's also super young. Yeah. Almost, I mean, almost like a crazy wing, crowded wing rotation in Atlanta. He, he basically has had very limited moments to shine. And I think, honestly, he has in some certain, in some situations. I mean, played well in the playoffs last year. Um, and the, the version of Cam Reddish that's like the idealized good version is my favorite basketball player, my favorite type of basketball player. Long, yeah. smooth scorers effortless guys who could just glide around the court, do some playing good shooters. Paul George, yeah. basically. Yeah, Paul George. But, I mean, we'd, we'd be crazy to say he's going to be Paul George. <laughs> no, because <laughs> the bad version of that is is early career Jeff Green, although Jeff Green's kind of made himself into a, a nice I rotation think, player. I would like Jeff Green. If yeah. we got Jeff Green out of him, I'd be very happy. Yeah, but definitely I there were some... Yeah, there were some early years there where it was like, you know, highlight dunk and 28 points on efficient shooting one night and then two of 14 the next night. So, <laughs> But yeah, we got to see what we have. About, you think about like a, a potential future wing rotation of, of Grimes, Reddish, and RJ, and that's, that's so much more modern than the Knicks have ever been yeah. in, terms of, in terms of modern basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm higher on Reddish than both of you, definitely. Um, I think uh, for him, it's all mentality, it's all opportunity. Um, I also think his ball skills need a lot of work, just in terms of his handle. Um, it, it really comes down to development. He has a lot of tools, and he seems pretty coachable. That's why some of the recent videos. Uh, I've been sharing with you guys of his interviews. I, I just have liked his attitude. Um, he's, he's been a little bit less um, kind of egocentric than I thought he was going to be um, and more kind of willing to sacrifice. Maybe it's just an early sign. He's like, oh, I have no choice. I have to be this way right now. Otherwise, you know, who knows if I'm going to get any contract. Uh, uh, but I, I do think he just has so much, so many things he can do. We don't have any player like him. I don't think there are that many players like him who, who even have that foundation. Um, Jeff Green is the one that didn't pan out, but I feel like most players who have his skill set and his size and his length do pan out eventually. There aren't that many yeah. total busts of a guy who can shoot, pass, and dribble at, at, at that size. Um, even, usually they become really good NBA players. So... Even, I'm pretty bullish yeah. on him long term. Even Wiggins even, is an all-star starter. Oh, I was about to go there. <laughs> That's a perfect example. That's a perfect example. 
that's apparently too bad. I mean, I would have taken him number four, rightly or wrongly, I would have taken him fourth in that draft if Ooh. I had the fourth pick. He went for Hunter? Hunter, yeah. I mean, I, I just want to say, if the floor is Jeff Green, right? If, if Jeff Green's a kind of analogous just because he also had the similar kind of tool set. He was, I guess, more of a power forward coming out um, than Cam was. Cam was more of a wing. Um, Cam also had kind of an abysmal college season, so that's a little bit concerning in terms of his shooting consistency. Um, but I don't know. I just think, I mean, Paul George, when he came out of college, wasn't anything to be, you know, super excited about, but he had all the tools. He's exact. I, I think they have a very similar trajectory. I don't think Cam's going to be Paul George, but I can't see him being a bad player, just in terms of as long as he's coached well, as long as he works on his ball handling, and his decision making, um, and his shooting mechanics, I do think his 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 feet. If you're talking about, it's kind of like a, a point of emphasis for him is like the guy when he takes off, his his feet go in all sorts of directions. I don't understand. There's a lot what of his life doing. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what's going on down there. It's really strange. Um, he has like really fluid up top mechanics, and then his his legs are just like completely twisted every time he lands. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I just can't see him being bad. I just can't. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe the floor is Kevin Knox, but let's hope that's not the case. But Kevin Knox d- didn't didn't have any of those tools, right? No, Kevin Knox had no handle. Yeah, he he had a jump shot, but his jump shot in college was also pretty bad. And I feel like that's the one thing he was able to get better at. But his jump shot wasn't good for it. It wasn't consistent or efficient at all you know, for the first, or it really has never been. Um, and outside of that, I, I just don't know. He, he didn't have any defensive potential. He didn't have any, he really, he really was just, I guess, a long athletic wing um, who was just super raw. I mean, I guess that kind of counters what I was trying to say, but I, I think that Cam has a much more advanced skill set than Kevin Knox does at this yeah. point. It's all mindset with yeah. him, and if he is willing to put in the work to be the player that he believes himself to be or if he just thinks it should just sort of come to him i mean six eight athletic wings are the hardest thing to find so you you take that shot at hitting on him 10 times out of 10 i don't think yeah Yeah. we definitely need five minutes for him though for sure yeah all right so um I think we're getting to the end here. Is there any, anyone else, any other topics that you guys think we should cover? Um, we should, should we even talk about the next game? I don't know. We might win this one. Who knows? Maybe, wait, maybe Julius completely shows out in this game. And the team's just... like, whoa, we need this guy right now. I could totally see it. Maybe Vivek's at the game tonight. That's what we he's have. Little, he's the Bagley that was probably. Fly him out. Fly him out. I'll, I'll you know, Leon should send him in the private jet. Get him out of here for the game. <laughs> That's the outcome we have to root for tonight. No, I would I would say like in in closing, what do we want to see for the next half of this season? Like what what would we what would we call a success? I want to tank. I mean, that's just me. I want to do everything possible to kind of get you know the vets, you know, let fewer and fewer minutes, um, trade some of the vets we have, see what we have with the young guys. I think we have a lot of young talent actually that is kind of useful talent. It's not like players who are just going to hemorrhage games and just, you know, will we'll just pile up tons of losses without any sort of hope. 
Um, I think we would still be able to get some key wins. I don't think we're trading Randall, so I'm sure he'll have a couple games where he shoots well and we'll get a couple wins. Um, so we'll have some promise there. Um, you know, we might if we could make the playing game with young guys, I think that would be fun. Um, instead of making the playing game with vets, I think that would be devastating. So it's like, just it just feels like a, a much more rosy outlook if we can if we can focus on our youth. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna give it a little more time before I say like go full tank. Um, I do think regardless, we have to trade two people from our group of veteran guard wings um, to free up rotation spots for guys that need to play, especially once Rose is back. Um, and I honestly don't even think that, I mean, that's, it's, even if we trade him for future assets, I don't think that that is making us worse this year. Um, like Kemba is actively a negative on the floor when the ball's, when the offense isn't being run with him because he's just like a very small spot up shooter basically. Um, and if you're replacing Burks or Fournier with more Grimes and a longer look at Reddish, that might make us slightly worse in the short term, but I don't think it's going to like tank us. So as long as we do that, we get a longer look at the young guys. Um, I think we should remain competitive because I think that's sort of seems to be part of our brand in the sort of Leon Tibbs era. So I think remaining competitive is huge. Um, but yeah, and if that means we sneak into the nine or 10 play-in game, I think that would be a valuable experience for the young guys too. So that's what I'm hoping for. Still rooting for wins at this point. I'm not at the point yet of rooting for losses, uh, but we are still going into a stretch of real tough opponents with, Grizzlies, Jazz, Nuggets, and Warriors in our next six games. So we're we're getting to a point where if we lose, the losses are coming whether or not you're rooting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and if we lose like five of seven, it's really the t- the ten seed's going to start looking distant, and then at that point, it's really just what are our lottery odds, and what do the young guys look like? Yeah, yeah, I would say mandatory move Burks. Ditch Kemba, put Reddish in the rotation, maybe start Grimes, bring Fournier off the bench. I would start quickly. But I don't think it's going to make us a worse team. No, I agree. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it can't make us worse than what we look like now. Especially if, Ro- especially if Rose is back. Yeah, it definitely doesn't make us worse. Yeah, if Rose is back, that's a huge upgrade. Um, all right. I, I would say, do you want to? I do want to finish with one thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this and how you've seen um, what he's been doing this season. And, and I know it's been a tough year, minutes wise and personality wise. But Tibbs, how do you feel about him? Do you think we're still all in it? I mean, I know Leon's probably not going to fire him, but how do you feel about Tibbs? I mean, not honestly, not great. Um, he's just so his inflexibility really is starting to grind my gears. Like just just continuing to trot out this starting lineup that's clearly the worst starting lineup in the league, and has 
just does not fit together at all is, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And it's clear that Kemba and Fournier and Randall are not a good pairing. Um, and I think, like, he made that big change benching Kemba, and now I think he feels backed into a corner, but this is he's not getting the most out of, out of this team. Uh, and, and it bothers me that the front office, we are rooting for the front office to save him from himself, essentially. So is he still the best coach we've had since maybe D'Antoni? Yes, uh, probably. Is he still a good tactician? Yes. Am I have, fine having him? I guess, but I don't think he's the long-term answer. I think it's worth pointing out that players seem to have gotten better under him, where that wasn't always the case with other coaches. Our development yeah. has been god-awful. So I think just maybe on like a teaching level, on a work ethic level, he's been pretty good for young players so far. And that, that was one thing I was a little bit concerned about overall, is just development. He hasn't been known as like a super great development guy outside of like Jimmy Butler maybe. But like, but yeah, so I feel like our young guys are at least getting better. And that's nice to see. Yeah. I should say I don't want to fire him. Like, I think continuity is with the young guys getting better. Continuity is important, but his inflexibility is really bothering me. Yeah. And it's hard to tell how much of that is coming from, or sort of the team rigidness is coming from him versus Randall. And I don't, it's, it's hard to think of how other coaches would handle this Randall thing differently. It's just such a both like basketball tough situation based on the way that he plays and then like kind of a team politics tough situation with just having given him a new contract and sort of embracing him as like the savior of New York basketball and then for him to just fall off like this it's just really kind of a just a tough situation to kind of be steering um I think yeah the I don't know if it's you know more front office or more coaching it's hard to know um how to divide up the credit but I mean most of the young guys we've picked have have turned out better than we expected. Um, so, yeah, you got to give the coaching staff some credit there, whether it's sort of the assistant, whether it's the Kenny Payne effect or whether it's um, Leon just identifying good players or Tibbs putting them in sort of position to succeed, even though sometimes it's frustrating. He doesn't trust them a little bit more. But, yeah, I sort of agree. He, you know, maybe if we ever do get to like a championship level contender, we might need to do like the equivalent of a swapping out Mark Jackson for Steve Kerr to sort of kick the team up another level or swapping out Jason Kidd for Budenholzer. Um, But as far as development goes and sort of trying to establish a culture of working hard and defending, it seems like he's at least done that with the young guys, even if he can't always get through to Julius. So yeah, I don't think we need to fire him. I think it would it might, yeah, I, I agree continuity is good and we should try to steer clear of chaos as much as we can unless it's really necessary. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Sam. I haven't loved a lot of the stuff he's done with the rotation, but also the young guys look pretty good. And, you know, he, he, he is a smart basketball mind, so I don't mind keeping him around a little bit longer. And it's not like we're competing for a championship anyways, so I don't think he's holding us back that much. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's a moot point anyway. We're not going to fire him 
Um, I think we're going to see how his contract, I think Leon believes in him. I think a lot of front office believe him. I think he has a pretty big say in that front office, actually. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll see, you know, how he pans out. I just hope that there is some level of communication. And I think to be fair to our front office, um, I don't think they've made any egregious mistakes so far. Um, I think they kind of know what they have in Tibbs as well, and they understand his perspective so that they can, if they do need to act on and kind of force him into certain situations, they can, and I think they will, and Tibbs will have no way of dealing with it except to kind of go with what the front office wants him to do, um, at least to some extent. I also think there might even, to be fair to Tibbs, there might even be some, you know, you know, if we're trying to trade Burks, we're trying to trade these veterans, there might have even been some sort of push from the front office to play them and to hope yeah. they were going to turn around and, and look good and get yeah. their trade value up. I think, you know, there's, there's a chance of that because, and then maybe wait until after the trade deadline to, you know, reevaluate or, or to you know, see where we're at and then um, go probably hopefully go with the young guys. So I agree with you, Sam. I feel like that doesn't happen after the trade deadline. It's, I think I'm going to be incredibly frustrated, but uh, uh, I'm holding out hope. It's an excellent point. You can't, if you're trying to trade Kemba, you can't bench him again. That's, yeah, yeah. You really can't. You cannot. Even if he has like one burst of scoring, it's good for his value. And same with Randall, same with Fournier. It's just hard to get out of my lizard brain and not (laughs) see these assholes just putting up minus 20 plus minuses and being like, God! <laughs> it's very frustrating to watch this team right now. Very, very, very frustrating. All right, guys, I think um, on that cheering note... Five yeah, minutes to game watch. time. Yeah, five minutes to game time. We put it an hour and a half almost. I think this was uh, by far our longest pod, so... Um, We've only had good stuff. Good <laughs> uh, we had a lot to vent about. Um, I think uh, hopefully things turn around. Hopefully the young guys get some time, and hopefully we make some moves. But uh, let's uh, let's end it there. Good stuff, guys. Till next time. Yeah.